Welcome to The Math of You, a podcast about formative media from when we were young. I'm Lucas Brown. On this, our 28th episode, I'll be talking to Julia Fang, artist behind Couleur Moi Chic and writer and host for Geek Bomb, about anime and cosplay. Along the way, we'll discuss how one can end up in a gang without even knowing it, how to maintain motivation over long-running projects, and unexpectedly, the secret origins of this very podcast. We'll finish the show with our signature cocktail and tell you how you can become a guest on the map of you. We join this conversation already in progress. So for those who may not know you, why don't you say who you are and what makes you a beautiful and unique snowflake? Oh boy, snowflake's such a sensitive word now, but anyway, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) Said in the most positive way possible. Right? Yes. Hi, I'm Julia. I am an artist in LA who pretty much loves movies, anime, TV shows, books, games, did I miss anything? And crafting. I'm part of Geek Bomb and I am a writer and a host there. I like food. (laughs) you're down with food i love food a lot like my stomach is like a black hole for food (laughs) (laughs) when i said i was an artist where i guess where you can most follow my stuff would probably just be my instagram but i am also a four human people's drawing board artist and i'm on t public and society six yeah cool Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) you're also a vlogger you're also a cosplayer you do all kinds of stuff you're actually prolific I'm pretty all over the place, which is kind of a good thing and kind of a bad thing because I don't really do just one thing. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I know a lot of people are like, oh, you're kind of like a jack of all trades. I'm like, yeah, but mm, there's not one thing that people really come to me for. (laughs) That's okay. That means more people coming to you. That's true. That's fair. That's a good way to look at it. (laughs) Yeah. So whereabouts did you grow up? I grew up in Walnut, California, which is like a tiny, maybe at most seven mile wide town. That is by Pomona. And the way that I describe it is that it's kind of like a midpoint between downtown LA and Disneyland. And <laughs> it's right by the place where Oktoberfest is, where people far and wide come to get drunk over in Pomona. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a town ruled by beer and people on their way to scheduled fun. <laughs> I mean, for the people who pass by, yeah, kind of. <laughs> for the people who live here, it's. Mm, it's actually pretty quiet and it's very green compared to a lot of cities which I didn't realize until I was older and like I actually drove by myself to LA and to my friends houses that I knew and I was like oh I didn't know all right cool (laughs) well that's nice to see yeah yeah one, one of the places I grew up in Fredericton New Brunswick is known for its elm trees and it has special signs which apparently are unique for Fredericton where you would see signs on the street that would say caution men in trees that would basically mean they were they were like on scaffolds and stuff hanging from the trees trimming the the things it was also the name of my first ever improv troupe was men in trees for that very cool. reason <laughs> that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah 
So in this town full of trees and people passing through and occasionally drunks, what sort of kid were you? I feel like I was a different kind of kid from 10 and younger and then teen years, but I feel like that's pretty different for everyone when I, mm-hmm. after I say that out loud. <laughs> it's, it's the very cliche thing of like, oh, I was bullied when I was in elementary school and I got beat up a lot, blah, blah, blah. And then the weirdest thing was that somehow I ended up in a gang, but I didn't know it was a gang. Okay, okay, pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. (laughs) Julia Fang, were you in a girl gang? (laughs) No, I wasn't in a girl gang. When I said, now that I think about it, that would make me sound super badass, but no, I have no such luck. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me about your gang life experience. No, it wasn't even like I was doing anything, but it was more... So like I said, I would get beat up a lot. And one of my friends that I had was like, oh, hey, like, just hang out with me and hang out with my cousin. And like, if anything, like nothing will happen to you. Like, Mm -hmm. we'll protect you because I didn't know how to fight. (laughs) I would just curl up and that would be it. And then I was like, oh, okay. And then I noticed that like my friends is cousins because so pretty much the layout is that So my elementary school was like at the bottom of the hill and the high school was at the top of the hill. His cousin went to the school at the top of the hill. I noticed that, to put it lightly, the cousin and his friends were not people who respected the law. All right then. (laughs) Put it very delicately. Yes. And I was like, I I don't know if, hmm. And I like, my my little second grade to fifth grade brain did not really comprehend until we had some seminar. I don't even remember if it was a seminar or a presentation or whatever. That was like, this is what happens when you're in a gang. And I clicked for me and I was like, oh, <laughs> wow. So you, you're saying that, that those, you <laughs> know, to peer pressure seminars had a target in mind. And that target was a young Julia Fang. <laughs> I guess. And I was like, it didn't, yeah, it just didn't click for me. I was just like, maybe they just did things that I didn't like. Maybe we were just different people. Like, I didn't think of it as like, oh, they were doing something that was very, very bad. I was like, oh, okay. That was kind of it. Because in my mind, I guess, like, in my tiny mind, it was like, the only bad guys were in cartoons. Mm -hmm. The only bad guys that we would ever hear about were in cartoons or in movies or in TV shows or whatever. I didn't really think about, oh, there are consequences. There are things. There are people who are are not very good. (laughs) (laughs) So how I got out of that was that I lied about which middle school I was going to because after my revelation i was slightly terrified and a bit more rebellious in the group and i would like call things out more and that didn't go over too well it wasn't like i would partake in anything of the things that they did i wouldn't i would just literally be hanging out with my friend at the time because we were way too young to do any of the things anyway or even comprehend what they were doing but yeah that was pretty much it i went to a different middle school and then no one could really find me or be in contact with me because they didn't even know where I went. And that was pretty much it. But when I went to middle school and high school and I told the people there what had happened, they didn't really believe me. (laughs) (laughs) So because where I went to elementary school and the town where I live, so those two towns were different. And in general, these towns are like one of those towns where like nothing happens, Mm -hmm. nothing major really happens 
and we don't really end up on the news a lot. The one thing that I think my town, something happened was like the school got shut down because it was a high school that got shut down because a boy had brought a knife to school or a gun to school, some sort of weapon to school because his girlfriend broke up with him and he couldn't handle that. Yeah. Tale as old as time, that one. Yeah. It was Ugh. like 20 years ago and that was like maybe the only thing that happened. <laughs> it's a very boring town. <laughs> Full of green. <laughs> Here's the thing. It's something that I realized only a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about specifically like my grade one experience in the tiny town of Fredericton, New Brunswick. And I would just explain some things to my girlfriend and she would just be like, wait, how old were you when this was happening? And I was like, I don't know, six. But no, <laughs> uh, no I, well, as you know, I would have turned six. So maybe, yeah, six or seven, something like that. And she's like, okay, so you're telling me that your, your first ever fight was in grade one because a sixth grader was beating up your friend and you ran down a hill and kicked him in the face. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, and there was also a rivalry where you would go to school and this kid would, they would try and beat you up. And so your way to deal with it was to try and beat them up first. I'm like, yeah. How long did this go? I don't know, six months. <laughs> and it's like, oh, and you went to the principal's office because some kid tried to sell you random pills in a paper bag. And you had to go through the book in the principal's office to point out what kind of pills they were. And they were like his mom's like hypertension medication. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, Cannot Street School in Fredericton. It was just like a, a <laughs> wretched hive of scum and villainy, apparently. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's like you normalize that stuff. Yeah, like in the moment, if you're used to it, it's just, oh, okay, this is happening. I'll go with it. <laughs> exactly. So this was before 10 in your, your gang years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you even call it that, which is after ex- explaining. You, before you put off your colors and separate it into a new sect. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> so, so what about afterwards? Yeah, and then like... After 10 was literally just, like, it's, like, being, starting to become angsty because the second I found out that people didn't believe me and thought I was lying, because no one would say that to my face, I thought it was just people listening, but they would talk about it behind my back. I was like, oh, I have no real friends. Well, that's sad. And then, I think, was it 7th or 8th grade? I don't quite remember. Was when I started getting super depressed Also, because around this time was when people who were closer to me in my life were passing away. So I was dealing with the concept of death and everything. A relative and then a very close friend that I already considered family. And then later on in high school, it would be my childhood best friend. It was just a lot. Wow, I was going to say, yeah, Jesus, that's a lot (laughs) in such a short space of time. Yeah, and, like, for someone who's just, like, trying to figure out what depression really was and why aren't you happy when you could be doing the things that you like but you're still somehow sad, just figuring that out. And then on top of all of that, it was a very cliche thing of, like, oh, my parents are divorced and I blame myself mentality. Oh, no. Yeah. I feel like I talk about it now, but, like, obviously if I say it, in that particular manner and in that particular way. Yeah, it's kind of sad to hear about, but like, I don't know, I'm here and I've learned to not be like that or how to handle it better, so. It's one of those things where you can look back and go, yes, that was really sad and that really affected me. But you Mm -hmm. can also say that you're here now and the person you are now is as a result of that. No, very much so. It's an equation that equals now. 
Oh, yeah, very much so. Obviously, the things that I found to, like, not, like, forget any of the stuff that was happening or just, like, kind of distract myself was, like, being creative, being artistic, or, like, being a geek or nerd or all-around dork in general. (laughs) (laughs) Were these things things that you were already doing that you were then able to put more, sort of, more oomph into because you were using them as an outlet? Or were these things that you discovered at the time? Anime was something that I discovered in my brain because of the way that I was brought up. I literally thought the only TV shows were the shows that my parents allowed me to watch. I thought it was the, like the world only consisted of that. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then another, another example that I think like kind of encompasses that really well is that I didn't know hip hop was a thing until <laughs> sixth grade. And I heard ushers burn. <laughs> That, that's, that was literally it. And then, like, I was like, oh, cool. Like, are there more songs like that out there? And all of my peers were like, what the? Yes. What is wrong with you? Oh, bless. And I was like, no. I just, I just, like, I've only heard my dad's, like, little CD of, like, oldies and, and classical music because my parents told me to play piano. That's literally all I've known for the previous, what, 10, 11 years of my life. So I was like, oh, only this music ex- exists in the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that, you know, it, it's almost taken for granted, but how, yeah, you're, the music that you listen to is almost entirely decided by your parents. And mm-hmm. like, again, I listen to a lot of oldies too, purely because my dad in the 80s didn't like 80s music. And so there were huge swaths of time where I was not listening to anything current until, you know, I got friends that would loan me CDs or my sister would put on a song and be like a specific memory of my dad attempting to sing along to salt and Pepper's Shoop in the car <laughs> full of my, my school friends coming back from a trip. That's amazing. And me just like burying my face in my hands like, oh God, oh God, don't, don't, please don't. <laughs> and, you start to, and the dancing would begin <laughs> Just be like, no, no, Dad, please stop. <laughs> please don't, please don't express your happiness, and please, please don't. Is this a pun? Is this? Are you punishing me? What did I do? <laughs> so you talked about about getting into into anime. So which ones caught your attention at first? Bleach, Bleach definitely caught my attention. I didn't even know. So Pokemon came out when I was in second grade. I didn't know that it was an anime. I thought it was just a card game. Like, no one told me it was an anime. And I only ever saw the movie that Mewtwo was in. Was that Pokemon 2000? Is well, that yeah, what that, it was? Yeah, that's the one. No, it was, it was a Pokemon, I think it was the first movie. Because it was when... Because all I remember is the ending where the, the clones are fighting the originals. Yeah. And everyone turns to stone and then Ash cries or Pikachu cries. And people or something. start crying and yeah. then everyone like gives their tears and brings them back. And I'm just like, what is this magical Jesus thing happening right now? I don't <laughs> understand what is happening. <laughs> so yeah, that was like, I didn't even know Pokemon was an anime. So my first one was literally just Bleach in sixth grade. And I remember very clearly because I was in PE class and the, the person that told me about it was like, yeah, you can just watch it on YouTube. And I was like, what is YouTube? <laughs> and then that was literally my like first introduction to YouTube back when anime was allowed on it. And you could literally just watch it there. Before it was policed as heavily as it is now. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, back when it didn't even know what it was, and, like, you could literally put any video on YouTube, and it was just very nice. <laughs> like, I watched literally, I think, 50-plus episodes on YouTube. Oh, wow, that's a lot. Yeah, like, I watched literally, like, the whole entire first arc of Bleach, and I was like, this is cool. What else is out there? And then I was like, oh, there's this also thing called Naruto. And I was like, isn't Naruto <laughs> that fish thing? I was like, yeah, but it's also this person's name. And I was like, okay, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, there are headbands and lots yeah. of hand gestures. Oh, it's yeah. a thing. <laughs> it's like there are hand gestures, but it's not gang signs, but it's like this thing that's the summoning thing. And I was like... They should, they should totally put that in the, in the tagline for the show. Naruto, there's hand gestures, but it's but not gang not signs. Gang signs, don't worry. Because <laughs> here's the thing: is that a lot of these long-running anime shows are very daunting. Like, for example, I knew about Bleach and I knew about Naruto because I had various friends who would come into my life and be like, "Oh yes, I watch this, and you know, I draw this on my notebook while I'm waiting on hold on a phone on a phone call." But then, mm-hmm. on my first ever trip to Japan, I found an entire store dedicated to One Piece. Mm, yes. And, and I went, oh, that looks interesting. Maybe I'll look that up when I get home. Oh, my God, there's so much of it. Yeah. There was so much. I remember I was like, oh, what else is out there? And I just looked up the word anime, and One Piece popped up. And I was like, oh, well, I'm kind of... Like, Bleach had kind of run its course to a point where I was kind of over it. Like, I was just like, eh. I don't really agree with this writing, so I'm going to just stop. Or just, like, wait until I get news that it's moved on to a story arc that I kind of would care about. Um, and then I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then I found One Piece, and I was just like, there's, there's, there's so much. Why? Why is there, why does this exist? I don't understand. And there are pirates and big muscle men and yeah. a kid with a bucket hat and... yeah. <laughs> And I was like, and and they somehow have weird X-Men powers, and one of them's like a weird rubber band, and but he's not a rubber band, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and see, I'm, I much prefer like hearing those kind of stories, because the one friend that I had in high school that was into anime was into specifically anime where there was lots of guns, and I was not a, so much a fan of that. Like, he yeah. loved Gunsmith Cats, and he loved Ghost in the Shell, and lots mm-hmm. of other stuff I don't remember. And he would draw these things in his notebook, and I would just looking at him like, this is just like hyper violent and lots of sexy ladies. And I'm just like, I, I, I don't know if I want to watch this. <laughs> but yeah, I much prefer anime that's got a goofier edge to it that will have some fun. <laughs> Although that said, my favorite anime of the last three years is Attack on Titan. So, eh? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, it's not so much you're a super young person and you're watching it. Like, you kind of understand at least what's going on. Yeah, that's true. Although, God, I, I think I think if 14-year-old me saw Attack on Titan, I would turn it off and leave the room. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I understand it. End of the first episode, chomp. It's like, ah, no. Yeah. And, like, how creepy the Titans are. No, I totally get it. Totally get it. <laughs> <laughs> kind of piggybacking off of what you said, like, I liked really bloody things. Like, it's not that it wasn't, like, a super violent thing. I think it was in high school or it was in middle school. I don't quite remember, but it was Helsing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and at the time, this was like before vampires became sparkly and twilighty. And I was like, vampires are the coolest things ever. And then Twilight came out and I was like, I can never tell anyone that I like vampires. <laughs> I must move on. 
<laughs> like, even something like Vampire Hunter D, it's like, yeah, it's, your vampire will turn into a giant bug monster. Nothing yeah. is sparkly. Nothing is romantic. <laughs> yeah, nothing. Just nothing. Even like, oh, what was that? God, I'm probably going to get flack for this, but that god-awful vampire anime. Vampire Night? Oh, oh God, no, I can't. Ugh. Like, I watched it. See, I don't, I don't know that one. What, what, what happened in it? Apart from, you know, a knight and some vampires. It's like a weird academy of them and like you might say a vampire academy yes (laughs) and like oh god it was so weird and like this girl who wasn't a vampire but she's like i think she's related to the school's principal or someone of the board or whatever and like later on she becomes a vampire but she's like the reincarnation of this like super powerful vampire i think it was and it was just oh and her like adoptive brother is like his parents were killed by vampires or something like that i don't i haven't seen it in a while but it was something along those lines and he has like this vendetta against them and he wants to kill all of them as you do (laughs) it was just super weird but there was and there was like a weird love triangle between her and then her adoptive brother kind of and like the the most popular guy of the school who was also (laughs) a vampire and the leader of all vampires and that was like it was just weird (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, th- I think when you get to a certain point of describing anime to someone, like I, I was working at a call center and I remember I was doing some back of house stuff and this guy came over and he'd clearly, like it was a Friday night, so he clearly finished work, gone to the pub and come back to pick up his stuff and he was loaded. He was trying to describe this anime that he liked, but all I could make of it was and this one guy said he was gonna fight and the other guy was like, no you won't and his arm transformed into this big huge thing and he's like, and he hits him with it and he's like no I have a stronger form and then he fucking transforms and I'm listening to this and I'm going okay I'm sure there's more to it than that but you know you're loaded it's not coming through and then later when he was sober I'm like so you were telling me about this anime but all you were saying was that it was people challenging each other to fight and their arms transforming and he's like yeah it's pretty much like that (laughs) okay so yeah, that's one of the ones I didn't watch. I feel like whenever you describe an anime, it's always a very confusing experience. Like even if it even if it is something as popular as Attack on Titan, it's just the weirdest thing to hear out of context. And like even while you're explaining it, you're like this isn't anything like what I'm talking about, but it is and I don't know how to explain it another way. Yeah, it doesn't com- <laughs> encompass the the grandeur and no, not the madcap action. And then, like after you explain it to someone who has just heard it for the first time out of context, they're just like, "So, wait, what?" And then you're just like, "No, you have to watch it to see how awesome it is. I promise, it's not as weird as I maybe it is, but it's not really as weird as I am explaining it to you now. I promise, kind of really. Uh, should I <laughs> promise even that? Uh. <laughs> 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 Sorry, yeah. I'm just I'm just trying to think of how I would even start to. So there's these giants, right? <laughs> yeah, there are these giant people, um, but they're like plants because they don't need to eat people. They just kind of like grow from the sun. And um, humanity's all that's left is like this weird tier tower castle place thingy. 
And then they come in, and then they eat people. And there are these, like, groups of people who are, like, literally the army. They kind of fly around with wires and all that. And they try to, like, slice this very particular spot in these giants' necks. And that's it. Yeah, I was explaining to one of my friends, and he's like, so, so you're saying they have a weak point, like in a video game. And I'm like, yes, yes it's exactly like that. Yeah. <laughs> but only, you watch it happen. <laughs> only with more angst and terror and oh, yeah, a body sure. count to rival Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> Kimiko and I went to see the Attack on Titan live action movies when they came. Yeah. They only came out for a week here in Australia. And oh boy. Oh okay. Because here's the thing: those movies are not good. They are cat- oh, like no. objectively not good. Oh no, not at all. But it was a. It was fun to see some of the action sequences realized in live action. But this the the real magic came when we went to see the second one because the first one we went on George Street, which is right downtown, and so it was a very full theater. Lots of people came in late, and so it wasn't a great experience. For the second one, because the first one had flopped so badly, no one went to see the second one. So we had an entire giant theater to ourselves. That's cool. Which was great because that second one was garbage like not not even just like oh it's not a good realization of the thing they went took the story in a completely different direction oh no and it was bonkers and hammy and overacted so what we did is we basically mystery science theater it like we were yelling at the screen in this empty theater (laughs) (laughs) at one point like they had like they did one of those return of the king things where it was like four endings in a row and i was just sitting there going and and and! <laughs> and I was like, I swear, this guy came in to clear up the, the stuff as the credits were rolling, and he heard us yelling, and he just kind of, like in, in Star Wars The Force Awakens, when they hear Kylo Ren having the tantrum, like he just kind of turned around and went back and waited until we left. <laughs> That's amazing. Honestly, as much as I love, like, Japanese horror films, like, their, their film films aren't, aren't great. <laughs> Especially not adaptations. Oh, no, not at all. Like, even if, like, for some reason, if they're known to, like... That anime came from Japan, obviously. But mm-hmm. for some reason, it will never, ever translate to, like, the silver screen live well. Which is why I'm kind of interested to see, I think... Was it Warner Brothers or Paramount? I think it was Warner Brothers that was going to make Attack on Titan. Or were they thinking about it? I think they were thinking about it. Like, I, I don't remember hearing anything past, hey, there's rumors... But mm. yeah, it, it is such a specifically Japanese vibe, not, not mm-hmm. just in like what's said and, and how it's shot and everything, but it's like, I mean, the whole thing is an existential horror of humanity being wiped away. Right. And part of it, and again, this is trading on delicate territory, I might cut this if I, if I botch the explanation. <laughs> part, part of the, the issue is that a lot of the people in this city are sort of a mashup of European ethnicities. You get a lot of German names being mangled in phonetic Japanese. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you're, you're here, uh, was it uh, uh, Armin as opposed to Armin? Mm-hmm. But Mikasa is, the, is essentially the only Eurasian person in the entire city, mm-hmm. to the point where it becomes a, a horrifying part of her backstory, mm-hmm. which I'm not going to go into. Go watch the anime. It's good. Yes. And so part of the existential horror of this is not just that the human race is gone, but to a Japanese audience that the Japanese people have been erased except for one person. Mm -hmm. So this idea is then flipped on its head because the movie is full of Japanese actors. Like literally everyone is recast as a Japanese person except for Mikasa, who is, I believe, a a Malaysian model Mm -hmm. and who cannot act. 
Sorry. No, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot emote. There's a lot of stun staring off into the distance. Dull, oh, dull no. surprise. Oh, no. It's so bad. <laughs> so, coming off that, I'm going to pull us back up into the positive. If you were to try and... Because you do a vlog series called Anime and To Me. Did you want to explain that to my listeners? So, back when... Uh, what was it? Anime 101? No. What did what did SourceFed nerd do? I think anime it was. Club? Oh, it was Anime Club. Yeah. They would watch an anime a week and they would talk about it. I don't remember if it was like the first couple episodes or they would just watch how many they could in a week because I would try to watch as many as as I could in the week and then I would talk about it. But that got kind of exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually kind of stopped that series, but it was literally just me watching an anime for a week and just giving my thoughts about it and if I would continue to watch it or not. But yeah, that was a that was a long time ago. <laughs> I'm surprised. People still bring it up and they're like, oh, are you going to do any more anime content? I'm like, I do, but I don't want to do it in a way where like it feels like work. Yeah, there's a certain thing is I've, I've learned this. It's like if you're just kind of a person and you attempt to match the content creation of someone whose job is content creation... Like, it, it can get exhausting real fast. Like, I've talked about oh, it on yeah. this show a lot, where I had two episode-by-episode episode recap podcasts that I did with my mm-hmm. girlfriend. One mm-hmm. for Avatar The Last Airbender, which is my favorite mm-hmm. work of fiction <laughs> ever. <laughs> okay. And because relationships are a compromise, we also did one for Keeping Up With The Kardashians. <laughs> and we would alternate. We'd do one episode of each. And the idea of sitting down for three hours and making notes of it on a 22-minute show and then sitting down for a one-hour recording session. Yeah. And then trying to schedule it because we were living together and so it was we didn't want to take our notes together because we'd both be writing different things and we didn't want to cross-pollinate until we actually sat down to discuss it. And the minute you're doing that around two day jobs and occasional overtime and stressful stuff outside of work it's like it becomes mm-hmm. very hard to be like all right i have to commit to this because we need to put out a new episode yeah i definitely feel for that i think like at a specific day that i wanted to like release those videos in my mind but like at this point it's literally just oh i'm gonna try to aim for like a video a week on my channel just so that I can keep up just like making creative stuff and at least having something there because this kind of ties back into like I kind of do a bunch of stuff I don't know what my YouTube channel is really it's literally just me doing things or just doing whatever that I'm interested in at the time I'm fine with like talking about whatever nerdy thing that I'm into but like the moment that I want to like do a series of some sort I want to be able to like see myself doing it for a while and not so much like oh only like for this x amount and then maybe i see myself getting bored because maybe there are no animes out at the moment that i would really really want to binge through that much or like maybe at the time like i just have a bunch of stuff to do and i'm not really able to be as dedicated as i want to be i don't know i want to direct a lot of dedication and attention to what i want to do and do it well and put out something that i actually like as opposed to just i just want to push something out something that we talked about in the pre-show a little bit the idea of deadlines set by yourself can be Mm -hmm. the most stressful because you have no one to account to but yourself but you're your own harshest critic in saying okay well you need to do this and it needs to be of a certain content as a slight tangent i would go for runs in the morning for a little while when I was living at a certain place that was nearby to enough flat road that I could do it without you know hurting my ankle or anything. And my way of making sure that I stuck to it was that I said I would never, ever tell anyone about it. 
because the minute I open that outlet to someone else, that becomes someone I could complain to. Mm-hmm. I could say, oh, God, it was the worst today, and this happened, and I don't want to do it. And uh. But because I had cut that out, mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, I have to do this. And I think I did it for something like six months straight where I did okay. uh, a, a morning run uh, every second day for six months. That's cool. And then I moved to a new, a new suburb, and all the sidewalks were crooked, and I managed to completely screw up my ankle by running <laughs> on crooked <laughs> sidewalks. But no, for a while it was the, it was that thing where other people are like, no, I like I like telling other people because that keeps me accountable. And I'm like, nope, nope, doesn't work that way for me. Yeah, no, I totally understand that. So one of the things like my my internet group of friends do, like they were like, oh, I want to work out and all that, but I don't really want to find the motivation to do it. They're very much in the group of people where like they tell someone. Mm-hmm. So like whenever they did go out to work out, they would take a picture of something at least just of themselves and send it to the other person and then that would be like oh well they sent me a picture i have to do it too ah, okay so like it was more like a it was more like a combination of that and like the bathroom buddy system <laughs> meshed together but very much like still motivating each other so i mean whatever works Exactly. Yeah, it's like whatever gets you to that. I mean, I've heard people talk about, I think I first heard about it through Seinfeld, but it's become its own thing now where it's just the streak, where it's like you put an X on your calendar when you do this thing, Mm -hmm. and you try to put as many X's in a row as you can, Mm -hmm. and it's just as simple as that. It's like, I want to do this thing. All right, and then you look at it and you go, oh, God, I've done it. I've done it five days in a row. I don't want to now break that streak. Mm -hmm. Do it again. Do it again. Whether it's writing, whether it's working out, whether it's creating content it's this idea where it's like i want to keep doing it but you're right coming back to what you were saying a moment ago that fun part has to be there it has to be something you want to do or else it's gonna feel like a chore and no one really likes that (laughs) (laughs) no and the reason i brought up anime and to me was i think it was one of our first interactions online is that you you were talking about sailor moon crystal oh yeah i had just started watching it because i I got a crunchyroll trial and I got a Crunchyroll mm-hmm. trial specifically so I could watch Sailor Moon Crystal because everyone was talking it up. So, yeah, that, that was why I brought it up because it was one of our first interactions. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that, like, it got to a point where I would be able to, like, kind of very, very briefly talk about whatever anime I was watching with the people that, I guess, watched my videos in the comments. Mm-hmm. So I very much, like, I remember stuff like that. And I'm like, that's cool. Like, that interaction is cool. Like, to me, I want to... I like that interaction. I like talking about things that I like or like just nerdy things in general with other people, whether like I know them or not. I just find that like very fascinating because everyone has different tastes and what their perspective of good storytelling is, is different for so many people and just different for everyone that I'm just like, I just find it very, very fascinating to hear about stuff like that. So yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, same. I mean, the worst thing that can happen when you put something out is to get no response whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's like you're shouting into a void. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so the idea of people coming back and saying, like even with this show, where I'll I'll do things and someone will come back and go, oh, I'd forgotten completely about that show from my childhood. Or I thought I was the only one. And it's something I've discussed a lot with a couple of people, where it's like the first time that something you like, that you thought only you knew, mm-hmm. is liked by someone else. That frantic conversation of kind of finding your tribe and mm-hmm. realizing that, you know, in this book series you've been reading, you've been mispronouncing all the names. <laughs> but you can go, oh, and what about this? Oh, yeah, I know. Wasn't that crazy? And having that kind of delighted moment of coming together is something that was actually the foundation of this show 
and I don't think I've told mm-hmm. this story on, on the podcast before, but the genesis for the show came from, I had a housewarming party at the house I am currently sitting in. Mm-hmm. And I had invited, because my girlfriend and I moved in together, and so we had these like juxtaposed groups of friends. I had some friends from my old job. I had a couple of friends from my new job. I had my wacky internet people. I had a few of my friends from improv. And my girlfriend had invited some of her work friends and some of her friends from way back when. And so it was this really eclectic mix of people. Mm-hmm. all crammed into a fairly small dining room right. where I was kind of tending bar and frantically running and keeping everyone's drinks full. I remember basically eavesdropping on a conversation between my friend Rick and the trainer at my new work and a couple of other people. And they were talking about a series of kids shows. There was The Trap Door and Banana Man and Super Ted and all of these shows that were either Australian or from the UK that were on at a particular time in the mid-80s in Australia. And what I watched was like, you know how when you see the diagram of how bees dance, where it's like you look on them from above and one bee will talk to some other bees and do a certain dance. And then all those five bees will go off and talk to five other bees and do the same dance. And you get to watch it like this chain reaction. And it's the way that bees pass information to one another. It was basically that, but for a cocktail party. Okay. Where one person would talk to the others and go, oh my god, Super Ted, I completely forgot about it. Hey, you. Hey, Joe, listen. And they'd go to the next person and pass it. And, and by the end, everyone was happy. Everyone was having this incredible conversation, that sort of flapping moment of recognition that I remember sitting and going, okay, maybe I'm desensitized to this because I've lived on the internet for the past 14 years. Right. I have access <laughs> to every TV show I watched when I was a kid. I can look up the Inhumanoids. I can look up the Smoggies. I can talk to someone about that one weird episode of the X-Men animated cartoon that was kind of a parody of the 12, but it was also using random characters from across the Marvel Universe that only turned up once or twice in the comics, but somehow (laughs) they had found them in a character sheet for this at the end of the universe with Apocalypse. And so I'm used to having that button, that, that need satisfied. To watch a bunch of people who were not used to that happening, experience that for the first time was just, was something magical. That was what drove me to do the math of you because there are certain things that are part of what make you up that you need to realize that other people have as well. Yeah. I wanted to engender that in others. Cool. That's really cool. Thank you. This is an exclusive for Lucas. I am now switching roles with him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So when I was 13, no. No, and because it's something I've said before on the show is that my dad, for maybe 20 years, thought he was the only person, apart from him and Jimmy Page, who had read Lord of the Rings. Oh! It was the 60s, and he picked it up at a bus station and read it and loved it, and then realized that in Ramble On, they refer to Gollum stealing his girlfriend away. And he nearly, (laughs) like, dropped his headphones and went, oh my god, Jimmy Page has read my book. No one's read my book. That's amazing. Yeah, and so, and and then later when the movies come, came out, he admitted to me, like, I love these books and I'd never talked about them to anyone. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. just my weird thing because mm-hmm. I didn't want anyone to laugh at me or call me a dork. Oh. And it's like, oh, Dad, your tribe was out there. <laughs> and now I get to watch him watching the fight in the minds of Moria, saying that it was better than he had imagined when he was little. Oh. Isn't that great? That's so cool. So another thing that you you mentioned you wanted to talk about that's a big part of your life was cosplay. Now, I haven't actually had anyone who... Oh, I've had Rosie Fletcher who does some cosplay and talks a lot about it, but you seem to be involved. Like, you go to lots of conventions and stuff. So did you want to talk a little bit about it, about how you got into cosplay and what it means to you? Actually, kind of piggybacking off of how you were explaining the genesis of the show, 
that's kind of the reason why I go to conventions. And, like, I just find it very fascinating if you see a cosplay that you like and you want to take a picture with someone. It's very much kind of like the, oh, God, this is, we're, we're crossing all sorts of interests right now. But it's kind of like everyone who goes to those, like, what's it called? Those eSport games. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, like... Yeah, everyone is a fan of everyone else. Like, everyone is a fan of the game. It's not really so much like, well, there is kind of like the, you're a huge fan of the gamer who's playing, but at the end of the day, like everyone is there. Like the, the gamers that were super good and that played in the tournament will come out and will hang out in the group or just in the audience because they are fans of everyone else. They are fans of the game and they just want to be a part of that because they're interested in that. So taking that analogy, like I feel that way for conventions. Like a lot of the time, because I've gone since 2011, Disney Expo was the first one that I cosplayed at. I think Anime Expo though was my first actual convention, but that was back before a whole bunch of people went yeah, now it feels like a claustrophobia place. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, like I, I go to conventions a lot of the time now to like to hang out with people or just see cosplays in general and to like obviously also kind of check out like Artist Alley or stuff like that. But it's very much like just being a part of something and just geeking out with other people. And for cosplay especially, because I am an artist and I'm a very visual person at the core of myself, I like seeing things obviously that I'm interested in and if someone makes a different twist on it or if someone makes a different version of something, then I just find that level of creativity to be really fascinating to me. So when I first started cosplay, I'll be very honest, it wasn't even really cosplay. Like it was a leg avenue costume that my friend gave me. And just because I'm a tinier person, it happened to fit me more to be Jasmine and not so much like those Halloween show a lot of skin costumes that most girls wear. <laughs> it was like, it was just that. And I went to Disney Expo in a Jasmine costume and that was kind of it. In the actual cosplay that I actually kind of worked on, it was more, hmm, how do I explain this? It was a Duella Dent Lady Joker, technically, kind of with how her character design is. But like when I wore it, it was more like me gathering pieces of it through like buying other stuff. But I mean, some people still call that cosplay. Cosplay honestly is just whatever you make it, to be very honest. Like there's no rules to it. I find it really weird when people say, oh, cosplay is supposed to be this and it's supposed to be that. And like sexy cosplay isn't cosplay. Like they're just people who blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, like you're really putting a downer on people who just want to wear something. <laughs> And, like, show love for whatever character that they want to pretty much dress up to be. The analogy that I often explain to people is that you don't see people, like, judging other people's Halloween costumes. Like, obviously, there's, like, the sexy Halloween costume or whatever that seems to happen a lot for a lot of people. But you don't really say that that's not a Halloween costume. You just say that that is a type of Halloween costume. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's very... It, it's the, it's this idea where it's like, this is a thing that's meant to bring people together. And mm -hmm. there's no wrong way to do it. And I think oh, yeah. within any subculture, you'll see that. Like, the only example I can think of is, like, you, you see the sort of uh, rockabilly, kind of rock and roll subculture, like swing revival kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. someone will be saying, oh, you know, 
these shoes are vintage, those are new ones that you bought that happen to look like it, or, oh, no, that style is wrong, they would never win that style since until the 70s. And it's like, guys, we just, we want to just come and have fun and do the thing we like. Yeah. You know, it really doesn't have to be this thing of, for lack of a better word, this holier-than-thou thing of, I'm doing it better than you, it becomes a way to exclude people. Oh, yeah, for sure. A lot of the time, like, when I started cosplay, I was just like, at the time, I was super shy, and I just wanted to, like, do something when I went to conventions, because I noticed that other people did it. And it's been, like, especially over the past year, like, I've met people through conventions. In the very beginning, I was like, I would have never thought about going to a convention alone. I went with, like, my friends who were interested in it, but then, because every convention kind of turns out to be kind of the same thing especially if you don't go to the panels or you don't wait for the panels or like go to the parties or anything like that they're very much just an exhibit hall with a bunch of cosplayers and then if you don't have that passion of cosplay to either want to see it like photograph it or be a part of it it tends to be very repetitive and that's kind of what happened with them and then I was just like oh okay I guess I'll just try and see if I can go alone and then I went and it was just very I don't know. It was a challenge, definitely, because I have social anxiety. And, like, when when I feel like I'm making things awkward or I feel awkward, I tend to, like, just stand off to the side. And, like, the way I describe it is, like, I kind of curl into myself. And I'm just like, I don't know if I want to be here. It's very much kind of taught me at least, like, how to interact with people and, like, get more practice about that. Because I'm, I'm a very quiet person to begin with. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean... Like, I'm a fairly gregarious person when I'm around people I know. But when I'm, I'm surrounded by too many strangers, same as you, I tend to clam up. I go quiet. And I think what it is about when you're in a group with shared interests, and especially something that's visual, like something like, like you've dressed up mm-hmm. for something, like you're doing a cosplay, it's a license for conversation to happen. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a reason to talk to you. Oh, yeah. Or, or for you to talk to people. And it's like, mm-hmm. so it's not just, hey, I'm going to walk up and awkwardly start a conversation. You can walk up and say, hey, I think your costume is great. I really love, you know, X character that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And they go, oh, you too. And it's like, that's like a release valve mm-hmm. where it's like, it doesn't have to be pressured because you automatically have a commonality with this person. You have both come to this thing to do this thing and are wearing similar stuff. And really, it's something you see in the best type of comic book stores. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones that, that make those good lists every year because the person on the other side of that counter or stocking the shelves makes you feel welcome because you have a shared interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> cool. Julia, if people wanted to find your stuff online, where would they go about doing so? For my stuff online, I am Kularma Chic everywhere. I'm C-O-L-O-U-R-M-O-I-C-H-I-C. Yeah, I got lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much everywhere. Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch even. I'm trying to figure out Twitch. I know I want to stream. I just need to figure out an actual, like, setup and a way to do it in a schedule. Oh, and then Public Society6, and yeah. (laughs) I, for one, really like your... You did a couple of really great core designs. Oh, thank you. Yeah, (laughs) it it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, that's really awesome. I love that. (laughs) Thank you. <laughs> I remember reposting that a whole bunch. Yeah. So go and check out Julia's stuff. Buy all of the things. Allow her to make more costumes. Yay! 
Yay! That would be very helpful. Thank you. That also helps me get food because that's important in life. Food's well, <laughs> sort of important. I mean, there, there's costumes and then there's. <laughs> They're two very different necessities. <laughs> All right, Julia. Thank you so much for coming on. It was a little bit of uh, scheduling mishaps to get here, but I'm glad we finally got to. Yes, I'm very glad. And whenever our schedules will allow us, I would love to come back. Thank you very much to Julia Feng for her time. For Julia's signature cocktail, she asked for no super sweet alcohol, but mentioned some very smooth wine she had had in Japan and things with fruit flavors. I decided to combine that request and use umeshu, which is a Japanese plum liqueur with a wine base. I also reached back to a Valentine's dinner from two years ago, where I went to a very nice restaurant in Sydney called Chocho-san, and Kimiko broke a two-month-long stretch of no booze just so she could try this drink. Their version was called a Honda Step Through, but I've rechristened mine the Shinigami. In a shaker full of ice, combine one and a half ounces of botanical gin, half an ounce of vodka, a third of an ounce of umeshu, half an ounce of dry vermouth, and three shakes of orange bitters. Shake vigorously to combine for about 30 seconds or until the outside of the vessel frosts over. Strain into a pre-chilled cocktail glass and garnish with a bit of yuzu rind, if you've got some around. This drink is full of steely resolve, but if you try and describe it to anyone, it won't make any sense. Enjoy! View is recorded in Leichhardt, New South Wales, Australia, and is written, hosted, and edited by yours truly, Lucas Brown. New episodes are released every Wednesday, and if you'd like to be a guest on the show, simply send an email to themathofyou at gmail.com and tell us what you'd like to talk about. You can follow the show on Twitter at themathofyou, and you can follow my wacky adventures at Lokified, L-O-K-I-F-I-E-D, on Twitter and Instagram, or Lokified82 on Snapchat. If you'd like to directly support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash and pledge as little as a dollar a month. You can also pledge as much as you want. They don't really tell you that on Patreon, but it's the truth. You can get physical rewards, early access to episodes, and I would really, really appreciate it. If you'd like to support non-monetarily, you can head on over to iTunes and give a nice five-star rating. You can even write a review, and I'll read it out on the show. Promise. If you like the music I use in the show, you can go to bit.ly slash themathofyou with capitals at the beginning of each word. 
There you'll find a Spotify playlist updated every week with all the music that I use, including this song. It's Last Romeo by Infinite. Thank you to Kiana for the recommend. Next week, I'll be talking to Matt D. Wilson, co-host of War Rocket Ajax and Movie Fighters, about parody, satire, and noir that's gone to the dogs. Join me, won't you? So last year, I prepared multiple cosplays for a convention. Near the end of 2016, I was like, this is... These are all the cosplays I want to do for 2017. And I was like, oh, this is going to be fun and blah, blah, blah. And like the very first convention I was really, really planning to go to, for sure I was going to go, was WonderCon, which is end of March in Anaheim. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And I'm going to like have so many to choose from. And at this point, I'm like, I might as well just wear them all. (laughs) And then once I thought that, I was like, oh, God, now I have to finish all of them. <laughs> well, how many days is WonderCon? I think it's just the weekend. Pretty sure okay. it's just the weekend. So, yeah. so, how many is them all? Just to be clear, them all is like the Diva one, Punk Diva one, Aneko Atsumi one that I want to do. So um, more than more than there are days of the con is yeah. what you're saying. <laughs> and I'm like, uh? so you've overcommitted is what you're saying? I, yes, very much so. And then my friend last year was just like, you, you didn't have to do that, but you did. And I was like, <laughs> yeah don't want to do it again and now it's happening again (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's a very important thing where it's like the only person that is saying that you have this deadline is you yeah for sure but that's the most demanding person it is because that person knows what you're capable of and knows that if you really tried you could do that i know when you say like when i'll do it like i'll have a day off or something and I'll say, oh, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go into the city, I'm going to get a couple of things done, I'm going to go to these stores, I'm going to pick this stuff up, and then I'm going to go and I'm going to take some pictures. And then it's like, you get like halfway through and there's like a train delay or the weather's bad or a store is closed and you start to go, this is not fair, I'm not going to get to do the, the fun thing I wanted to do. And it's like, well, no one knew about that thing except for you. Like, you are literally the only person to hold you to task. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, a lot of the time, it's me going like, well, you know, I'll just do this while, like, watching a Netflix show. And then that way, it's like, not that I hate doing it, but it's just that it's a lot more fun for me if I'm, like, watching something and then and then keeping my hands busy. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, I don't have to be doing this. <laughs> I, don't have to, I don't have to give myself this much stress. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you're thinking, oh, God, I've got I've got this social thing on, I've got this other thing, I've got this work thing, and I'm just like, oh, no, it's like, oh, I just want some time to myself, and you get time to yourself, and then, of course, you, you, you waste it in the way you're supposed to, to decompress. Eating leftover tacos and watching wrestling from 1997 <laughs> while a cat sits on you, and I'm just like, ah, oh, that's good, and then the day after, it's, oh, God, you wasted that free time. Think of yeah. all the constructive things you could have done. Yeah. <laughs> For a while, I was like just absolutely killing my audiobooks because I would do them while I was ironing, I would do them while I washed the dishes, I would do them while I folded clothes, like all these things. And now it's like I'll be listening to a podcast or something and I'll think, oh, you know, think of all the books you could be reading. I'm like, just shut up, brain. Just give me a minute, you know? Give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying. 